You can turn to Hebrews, if you will. Chapter 4, we'll be there in a bit. We're going to talk about a little something this morning that's somewhat vague to a lot of people, but it is so familiar with everyone that I think I'll be able to show you some things about our Bible and about ourselves that maybe you didn't know. The title this morning of the sermon is Feelings. F-E-E-L-I-N-G-S. You know what they are. You talk about them all the time. You say that you have them all the time. But I'd like to show you something about what the Bible says about this thing called feelings. We said a few weeks ago that we cannot allow feelings to dictate whether we're obedient to God or not. We're constantly talking about, I did this because I felt like it. I did this, I didn't do this because I just didn't feel like it. It's quite obvious that many of us allow our feelings to dictate our behavior. And I'd like to show you what the Bible says about that. But the first thing I need to ask, because it's going to go through all of this, is how much do you, each one of you this morning, believe in this Bible? To what extent do you believe that the Scriptures are true? I came to a place in my life to where I had to commit myself to the book because I learned that that was the only thing that God had given me to know what He wants me to be. And that His Holy Spirit that He placed inside of me when I was born again is there to point me to the book and show me what the book says and make me understand what the book says. So they work in tandem, one with the other. The book says we can't understand the book without the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit says also you can't read the book without me and get anywhere. So we see the situation that is put before us. Now as a child... As a kid, we'll say. You know, I thought about it this morning. I, w- I wouldn't have had any idea that I'd been able to remember all their names, but I remember my beginning Sunday school teacher, Miss Ira Blackman and Miss Young. Then Carl Edfelt was my junior teacher. And I can't remember to save my life who my intermediate teacher was. But they were concerned about me and the other kids in their classes, and they wanted us to know things. But as I look back, there's one or two things that we were taught as children. Before we were saved, before we were baptized, before we were really considered old enough to understand things like we need to. One thing that we were taught were that bad things happen to people who do bad things. 
Was that taught to you as a child? Did you get that idea when you went to church that if you were a bad person, bad things were going to happen to you? They talked about us having peace and us having a blessed life if we live like God wants us to. And with that, we were taught that good things and peace happen to people who do things God's way. That was kind of the overview of everything we were taught. That was the point that our teachers were trying to make to us. We saw a couple, three weeks ago, a brief excursion into this subject of feelings, but we saw then that feelings do not produce behavior, but behavior produces feelings. I can remember when I was baptized and walked the aisle at First Baptist Church in Montevallo. It was in October of 1952. I was 10 years old. I know it took. You've heard people talking about wrecking the baptism took. Well, I know this one took because... I spoke to two of my friends and they were baptized with me after I walked the aisle two weeks later. We felt good because the whole thing about going to church as a child was to become a Christian and be baptized. So we felt good. All the grown-ups were going to look at us like we had done a good thing. In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 and 16. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He's talking about Jesus. He is touched with the feeling of our problems of our bad things, of the things that bad that happen to us, the things that we find ourselves involved with that are not any good, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Jesus was tempted just like us. The whole purpose in him coming as a human, as a person in flesh and blood, and born as a baby, to humans was that he might be able to know exactly everything that affected us and be able to understand how it felt in order to be involved with that. But he didn't sin like we do. But he didn't have the old sin nature. It's an interesting point about that. Just throw it in there without charging a nickel extra. I personally believe that our old sin nature comes down to each one of us through our fathers. Why do I believe that? Because Jesus had an earthly human mother, but the Holy Spirit was his father. And he did not have the old sin nature. 
then I have not known one single person that has ever been referred to since Jesus as not having the old sin nature because everybody else has had an earthly father. And I believe that's where we get it from. It comes through our DNA. Verse 16, Let us therefore, because of this, let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find a grace to help us in time of need. Now one thing I want to say. Paul, or Apollo, who probably wrote Hebrews, is telling us, let us therefore come boldly into the throne room of Jesus. Let's walk into that throne room without being ashamed that he had no sin when we, when we have discourse with Jesus through the Holy Spirit, he had no sin and sometimes it would seem that to some, and it has to me at times, that I would be a little hesitant about approaching him because I did have sin. I didn't get to do like he did. But it's saying here, don't be hesitant about coming to Jesus with whatever infirmities you happen to be asking about. Because he will give us grace and give us an answer to our needs. In other words, because we sin, don't let us be shy about dealing with Christ about sin. About the sin that we have. Now, a little word. You see that in verse 15. We do not have a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmity. That word, feeling, is used twice in the whole Bible. Nothing more is said about feeling in the whole Bible, about how we feel our feelings being any part of any decision we make to do anything. For two times, except for two times. And this is one of them, and the other is used the very same way, and it's translated sympathy. Jesus has sympathy for us because he has been through what we've been through ourselves, and he knows how it feels. The other place it's used is in the same way. Same translation, the same, the same wording. Two times in the whole Bible, the word feeling has been written down. With all the, word, all the, 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 uh, the, the, the talk that we do about feelings, it's only twice in the Bible. There are two other times that the word feel, F-E-E-L, is used in the Bible. There are five more times that the word feel is used in the Bible where it's talking about touching something, feeling something, and knowing what it feels like because of touch, not because of an emotion. The only four times that the Bible uses the word feel or feeling in the way of an emotion is four times, and I've just shown you one, 
and it's three other times. And it has to do with us being able to feel something. All four of those times have something to do with sympathy. Us feeling sympathy for somebody else. Us feeling them when they're hurting and have the feeling of sympathy because of it. Have you seen on TV the ad where it says Jesus knows us? Have you seen that ad yet? It's been running on some of my channels. An organization is pointing us to Jesus and talking about He knows you. He understands you. And He does. This scripture right here is the scripture behind that whole advertising campaign. Our emotional makeup is from God. Now you know that we're all different as far as emotions are concerned. Some of us are so-called emotional and some of us are so-called not very emotional. But all emotions that He made us capable of are constructive when they're used like He said to use them. It's when our emotions get out of hand, we allow them to get out of hand as a result of something we've done. Now, if you go to Proverbs, as a teenager, I watched, I, I, I read Proverbs every day because I got a hold of a program when I was about 13 that said if you read one chapter of Proverbs every day, you can read the whole book of Proverbs every month and the last proverb, verse 31, the virtuous woman, you get to read it when there's months that have 31 days in it. So I've got a pretty good dose of Proverbs. As a teenager, I started making notes and I categorized every verse in Proverbs as to what it was talking about. So if I needed a verse from Proverbs, I could run to my notebook and flip through the pages and know what I was real quick what I needed to use. Proverbs is one of those places you get the idea that if you don't do well, you if you don't act well, you're not going to do well. Now let me share something with you. Of course, you know, most of you know, I'm in my 80, I'm 81. So most of my friends are up about that age, and I've buried several of them. And a lot of them have passed on without me burying them. And I don't have many friends, as I used to, that are my age. But I had one of my friends, who is a little older than me, ask me something a few weeks ago. And I think this makes enough connections with enough people that I ought to bring it up. He said, you know, I taught Sunday school for 40 years. And he said, I can remember when I was saved, I walked the aisle, I prayed the prayer, I was baptized, and after I was baptized, I felt really good for about three days. 
And then I just didn't feel anything special. He said, have you ever heard of anything like that? I said, not only have I heard of something like that, but I've lived through it. He said, well, why do you think it would be? I said, well, look at this. You're a kid. You go to church. You go to trouble go to church every week. And everybody's pointing you in this direction. So if you go and do what everybody says you're supposed to do, you're going to feel good just because you did what everybody told you to do. He said, but I mean that you don't feel different every day. I said, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I said, I can remember the first three people I witnessed to and they prayed the prayer to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. And I asked them after that, not knowing any better, don't you feel so much better now that you've accepted Jesus as your Savior? And two of them said, no, as a fact, matter of fact, I don't. Well, God, real quickly, taught this 20-year-old so not to ask anybody that. Because you see, your feeling is an emotion. Your emotions come from your heart. My Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can believe it? So when we talk about feelings or how I felt, we're talking about the results of our hearts speaking to us. And if our hearts lie to us, then we got to be real careful about using our feelings to guarantee the fact that we just heard the truth. He said he didn't feel saved. I said, well, let me tell you something. Saved is not a feeling. Salvation has nothing to do with feeling. When you get saved is a condition, not a feeling. Now that condition of salvation might make you feel a little bit easier. But you don't prove that you've got Jesus because of the way you feel. He said, sure enough. I said, well, listen to this. It says in my Bible, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you're saved. That's a fact. It's not a feeling. It's not a good feeling. It's not a bad feeling. It's a fact. You've just done what Jesus said you needed to do to be saved. So why don't you feel saved? Because we think about how we feel. And I'm trying to say, according to my Bible, that's no way to look at it. Because if Jesus said it, like the old bumper sticker, I believe it and it, it, it's truth to me. But you see, if Jesus said it, whether you believe it or not, it's true. It's not conditional on whether or not we believe it. 
My Bible says if you have the Holy Spirit, you're saved. That's a fact. That's a condition. That's not a feeling. When you come into church, I've heard people say, well, you just feel something there. But see, that is the presence of the Holy Spirit. He brings about some of that. But the fact is, there are some churches that I've been in that scared me to death because their feelings got them up out of their chairs and got them in the aisle, and I didn't want to ever go back then because they didn't do like that at my church. And it scared me. And I wondered what was going on. And I wondered why I didn't have what they had. Romans chapter 10 and verse 13 says something else, and I want you to know this verse because of what it says. Whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a fact. Franklin Graham comes on with his ad, and he shows you a prayer that you can pray if you want Jesus, and you will be born again by saying those things in that prayer. But what I'm trying to say to you, you don't even have to know that. All you've got to do, you meet all the requirements when you call on God to help you. Why? Because you believe there's a God. And you believe if you call on Him, He'll help you. And He'll save you. So there's no recipe for what you've got to say. For whosoever calling on the name of the Lord shall be saved, my Bible says. And that's a fact. And if you ever do that and find yourself to have done that, you're saved whether you feel like it or not. I can remember from the years after I was 10 years old till I came to a place to where a man told me, now look, I want to share this with you. You can converse with God's throne room. Not just talking about what you call prayer. I'm talking about you can talk to Jesus and Jesus will answer you if you ask him to guide you. So the first thing I did was went to everyone who seemed to have any authority in my church. And they all laughed at me. They said it couldn't be done. All you're going to figure out about God is what you read in the Bible. He's not going to say anything to anybody. I think I've read enough stuff for y'all to know that's not what your Bible says. Even to the extent of a couple of weeks ago, that Jesus assumes that you'll even know his voice. That requires some talking back and forth. And you hear me back and forth. Not just one way. But I didn't know that at the time. But everybody who was supposed to be anybody in the religious community had just told me, that's not so. 
and there's some in the religious community that do not believe that. But I tried it anyway because I read it in my Bible and it said it was so. Just because some of the people that I knew who were supposed to be where they're supposed to be didn't do it, didn't mean it wasn't so. The Bible said it's important and the Bible said it was important to be saved and if I was saved, I should be discussing things with Jesus and he could guide me every day. That's what it said. Even as a child, that's important. You teach a child to speak to Jesus and to pray and they understand to do that. But after you get a little bit older, you get a little bit more skeptical. When you have the Holy Spirit, most Christians go out and live like the world. And when God things start happening to you as a Christian, you may wonder what's going on. Because God is going to do just exactly what He says He's going to do. And He's going to guide you and talk to you if you'll let Him. So many Christians live in a rut. They do the same thing every day. They never stretch out. They never read anymore. They never search for anything else. And they live a pretty bored life. They go to church maybe every Sunday. But other than that, as far as their life is concerned, they don't involve Christ in their lives and in their decision making every day. They live in a rut. And I was told that a rut's nothing in the world but a grave with the ends knocked out of it. You can't live in a rut and do anything for God. And it seemed to me, I know this sounds silly, but it seemed to me like that if God, Anthony has had several, and I have had several talks about this, if God put the Holy Spirit in you, why did he do it? If it's not going to say something to you. If it's not going to lead you. It's like, like having a squirrel in the attic. You may not know exactly what's up there, but if you've got a squirrel running around your attic, you know something's up there, and you wonder what it's up there for. And then when you start seriously conversing with it, you know exactly what it's there for. God doesn't lie, folks. If he says you do this and this will happen, it's going to happen. I go back. To point number one, how much do you believe the book? So many times we read it, we say we believe it, but we don't activate it. So do we really believe? But if he says you'll be saved if you do certain things, it's a done deal. You don't have to wait to feel like it. So what do you do? You just do it. You just do it. I still think about Philip when the angel told him, go down on the road to Gaza. The next sentence was he got up and went. 
He didn't think about it. He didn't wait till he felt like it. He got up and went. When you place yourself in the role of a Christian with your talk and your behavior, when you become saved, you've said you've been baptized, you say you've accepted Christ, and you start doing some of the things in your talk and your behavior that indicates that you may be a Christian, soon you will habitually act as a Christian. You will act as a Christian acts, and you'll have the confidence of experiences to make you secure. After a bit, as a Christian, you know you're a Christian. Because too many things have happened for you not to know it. Look at Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 13. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. You've all heard the lessons where the babes in Christ, the ones that don't know much, have to be on the milk until they get old enough to eat the meat of the Word. For he's a babe, so he has to drink the milk. But I've seen some youngins that were drinking milk out of a bottle when they were five or six years old. There's a time to get them off the bottle. A time to put them on meat. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now look at what that says. There comes a time when if you are a Christian, you're past the milk stage, you're on to the meat stage, and the meat stage says... By reason of use. That's a simple little word we use now called habit. You get in the habit of doing things that are like Christ. By reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Now let me ask you something. You're a Christian. However your age of maturity is in the Christian walk, I don't know. You should know. But I ask you this. Do you know what's good and you know what's bad? Do you have to ask somebody, is this a good thing or a bad thing? Have you sat in front of enough lessons and in front of enough sermon? Do you know kind of what the Bible says? Have you read your Bible enough to know what it says? If a preacher stands up and starts preaching, do you know if he's preaching what God wants him to preach or what God doesn't want him to preach? That's something called maturity. And there's an interesting point made. The psychotherapy world calls something a mature emotionally. They are mature emotionally. What does that mean? There's no such thing. 
Your emotion is acting in response to what you've done. So how can it be an old emotion or a young emotion? And we, we vote to see whether something is a good emotion or a bad emotion. And there's no such thing. There is a reaction is what it is. I'll share this with you. One day I told God, I'm not very smart, Lord. And I've listened to all these experts talk about how you operate with your people. And I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to stick my neck out. And whatever you put in my head to do, I'm going to do it. So if you don't want me doing things that you don't want me to do, don't put it in my head. Because if you tell me that's what you want me to do, I'm going to do it. I'll leave the arguing of who said it or what was said up to those scholars that take all the credit for it. Since then, I've been making choices in my life based on what God told me to do. And there's times I had to, in my business and all, I had to stick my neck out a long way. But I did. And I'm telling you, it worked for me. And I recommend it to you. I don't think you'll be sorry that you did it at all. Don't wait for feelings to tell you who you are. Don't wait for a field to tell you whether you're born again or not. If you've done what God told you to do, He's not a liar. You know that. If God said it, that settled it. Just do it. And God will reward you for just doing it. You don't have to be an emotional person that weeps and sobs and does all the things that everything. Some people don't work that way. Everybody's emotions are different. They don't prove anything. You've heard it. Go with your heart. You better not go with your heart because God says it's a deceitful thing. It'll lie to you. Go with the book. The book is the only body of truth we have. And feelings don't prove the truth. So don't wait to have feelings like somebody else explains it because you move in obedience to God. They're not you. And He grows everybody at a different rate. He has to do this because everybody does not accept training at the same rate. We'll all sit and hear the same sermon and we'll walk out of this place and we'll all come up with a different belief. That's the way we are. Don't ever look at anybody as if they know more than you do. You hear that? Don't see things that way. And don't ever look at yourself as if you know less than others do. That is not the issue. In God's business, if you don't, you don't know what you don't know, 
until you learn it. Then you look back and say, I didn't know that then. Have you ever known that the knowledge of the knowledge of your knowledge is always hindsight. You can't say, I don't know this because you don't know what this is. And here's the thing. In our business with God, it's not natural for us people. It's not natural for me to be spiritual. It doesn't come with my body. In fact, the business, my body is working as hard as it can to keep me from being that way. So we can't know what God wants us to be until He tells us. That's the interesting thing about all this. There's nothing wrong with not knowing anything. It's called ignorance. And there's a lot of things I know about the things that I have applied myself to. The things that I've made my living with, I know a lot about those things, but there are other things that I'm completely ignorant about. And I admit that. It's no shame. There's nothing wrong, as Pun fellow said, in being ignorant. It's just staying ignorant. That's the problem. <laughs> Always keep your mind open to the things of God because you never know what next thing He's going to show you. Now there's even a place over in the back of the Bible where God says He wants His children to be ignorant about a lot of things. You wouldn't have thought that. But the things He wants us to be ignorant about is evil things. Not good things. He says to keep our mind on the things that are beautiful. The things that are for each other's edification or building up. I'm supposed to keep my mind on things that will help you become a better person if I'm part of them. That's the reason I say that I don't see how. We can love God with all our heart, mind, and soul and love our neighbor as ourself, number two, unless we treat our neighbors like they're better than us. That's the only way it can be done. Because you never know which neighbor God has been dealing with and all he needs or she needs is a little word from you. So we listen to God's direction to see where He's going to carry us, and who He's going to allow us to come in contact with so that we might do a little bit of bragging on Jesus. You'd be surprised how many people will be changed by it because there's a lot more people watching you and I than either one of us realize. They don't say anything, but they are. And we need to be very careful about the light that we shine in front of them. Let's pray. Father, make us understand that all this talk we do about feelings doesn't have any basis. That the way we need to make our decisions is not on how we feel, but what we know to be good and bad. 
You tell us to stay away from bad people and to stay away from bad things and to stay away from bad places and then you tell us that you'll show us what's bad and what's good. So Lord, we got to have you for everything. Don't let us feel like that we're second class citizens because we've got to do that. Because there will always be some of the devil's folks in the crowd that are trying to show us just how smart they are by using their own mind and by making their own decision. Show us, Lord, how to be humble enough that some kind of way they might be impressed with us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.